speed, agility, power. I'm a big fan of these things. All of the performance I demand for myself on the ice is here. Handles all of my needs in dynamic fashion. folks it's time for another episode of roxy fever i'm your host jackson mcdonald we're kicking it old school today vias is with me here uh as usual and we also got day one og uh number one on the enemies list and number one in our hearts friend of the show <laughs> day minus it's, one and if in one way to look at it yeah truly uh yeah yeah it's jd burke jd how's it going oh uh, you know i'm doing all right it's uh all-star break which which i appreciate Good um, for you. Thatcher Demko, and Thatcher Damco didn't pull a groin in the shootout challenge, so I'm happy too. That's always nice. That's always nice. I don't really cover the NHL as much, but I do some news stuff. So, you know, should be a respite True. from that for at least a weekend. And, you know, even if I don't cover it, I'm a hockey sicko, so I'll be watching it all the time anyway. And now I get to focus on, you know, other endeavors, let's call it. And, sure. uh, you know, for me, that probably means watching college hockey uh <laughs> no that's great yeah it's still no, it's a change of pace you can't it is that. i totally get it's that the sickness like yeah. the the yeah. great thing about the, the, sickness. <laughs> the uh <laughs> the great thing about the all-star star break is that you just get a break from like uh, having to care about you know every game or what whatever's going on in, in the immediate vicinity in hockey like i when I was doing it all the time, like when I was uh managing editor at Canucks Army, I loved the all-star break because it was just like, oh, awesome. Okay, for, for five seconds, I can like not pay attention. Oh, um, I don't have to do one of those fucking recaps. Holy exactly. hell. Exactly. Yeah, I that used kind to of hate thing. writing those. Those oh, are the worst. Yeah. I will I don't know if I ever uh actually admitted this on the show, but I am going to now breaking news. Um I once did, I did the ultimate uh, thing that my haters uh, would have a field day with if they had known at the time. I did once write a recap for a game I did not watch. Um, (laughs) I didn't. It was a uh, East Coast game against the Florida Panthers that I thought was a home game against the Florida Panthers. And I was at my friend Seth's house uh, doing... um, uh fucking uh timing x band practice and i like looked down at my phone that's and awesome I, and like and i was like the game is over and so i just like i was like all right i'm pulling up the fucking natural stat trick i'm finding every single stat <laughs> that i can talk about i'm looking i'm watching as much of the highlights as possible and i will just like go off of that i'll find some funny tweets i'll put those in there and uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, that's that's pretty much. They're they're in way better shape now doing the stanchies because they like actually have a reason to do post games. Like before we had that when, or before they had that, uh, when it was just like, oh, just write about what happened or whatever. It was the worst. Just like oh, fucking yeah. engagement farming shit it was terrible um, yeah jacob magno was on the ice for four goals against and in spite <laughs> of this he played 
1945, yeah. all of which with the Sedines. Uh, Erica Branson <laughs> had a minus 15% Corsi. It's Somehow, mathematically it's impossible, yeah. but, you know, the Canucks have, yeah. Well, and that's the other thing about the all-star break too, is up until basically this year, I guess you could include last year as well uh, with the Bo Horvat trade, but like uh, up until this year, there was also just no reason to pay attention to the all-star game, like even less of a reason than you'd normally have as a Canucks fan, because Mm -hmm. it just like the Canucks were terrible and they usually didn't send that many players to the all-star game. Like, and and we, terrible we pretty much a... shouldn't have been sending one. No, no, they shouldn't have. It's like Vinny Trocek showing up at this one. It's like, buddy, you know, wh- wh- what are you doing here? Uh, but, yeah. but the That's thing the kind of Canucks... affirmative action I don't like. <laughs> for, for Italians. Uh... <laughs> yeah, correct, yeah. <laughs> or no, would that be Russian? I don't know. Some I don't know. Of, of he, bad he is, he's spiritually Italian. Yeah, uh, yeah. To me. I mean, he, he's, he's a in Florida? Yeah, yeah, because he's a Vinny. Yeah, and I yeah. and also that, and I there was another um, Italian guy who played for the Florida Panthers for a while. I think who I used to always get him mixed up with. I'm not L- going to bother. Roberto Luongo. No, uh, Frankie Vetrano. Yeah, it wasn't Frankie Vetrano either. It was it was a while ago. Um, but it doesn't matter. Does not matter who it is. No, not at uh, all. Not and I mean, the other thing about those those Canucks teams is that they were bad in such a non-compelling way because yes. like, yeah. who, who were they going to sell? You like, know, we, we only just had Brandon about... for one year. So there's only one year of that with some compelling awfulness. I yeah. was going to say for all the wrong reasons, but like who, who would the Canucks sell in a lot of those seasons? Like, Oh, Jordy Ben for a sixth. Yeah, uh, totally. you know, like they were only compellingly bad in the sense that like, they like they were compellingly bad usually in the off season like mm-hmm. like that's when they would go out and you know make like the Oliver Ekman Larson trade or whatever like do something spectacularly stupid like they were they were compelling in the different ways that they would uh make the the worst thing like the worst move they could possibly make over and over again but like the on ice product was was never even yeah like you said like never even bad really in a compelling way um, other than like, you know, when they would occasionally get blown out like 10 nothing or something or have the worst penalty kill of all time or close with, to it. With JD coming on, I was thinking about how like, yeah, the originally plan was to have you 2 and Elliot on and how our first yeah. episode ended up being uh, <laughs> our first episode ended up being <laughs> uh, celebrating Good Branson getting traded. That's right. And, yeah. and it's, it's so like antiquated for me to think about how awful we thought he was i mean like he was awful sure but like yeah. compared to the years that followed him before this year like like was he even that awful compared like have yeah I, i'm just kind of curious where he would slot on a depth chart compared to our defense now i don't know just like i'd love i'd love to see how far the gap is between our team right now and those awful teams we've been well and it's funny because like there's two there's two things about Eric Goodbranson. The first is it's not so much that he was like uniquely bad because he wasn't really. He was just kind of like, well, I, very... I would push back on that. Like his, I thought he was a pretty last... standard bad defense. Well, his like, last season, he had like the worst Corsi, the worst expected goals. Sure. But like worst, when he was you know in Vancouver, I mean? 
Yeah, I yeah. Knew, when yeah. he was in, Vegas. oh, really? Oh, okay. I didn't yeah, realize yeah. it was yeah, yeah. that bad at the at the. Yeah, end yeah. I, I remember because I went on the radio and I I said that I said he might be the worst defenseman in the NHL. Right. And <laughs> then there was a controversy because uh, a very normal person on Canucks Twitter was saying that I'm going to face <laughs> litigation for that. Oh take. yeah, that was awesome. Um. So for oh, an entire yeah. week, that dang Samantha Chan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, always throwing that law degree around. No, I'm serious though. For a whole weekend, I had people telling me that that Erica Branson was going to sue me and that I would be ruined. That and- was actually Vias was only in his first year of law school. That was his burner. That was before he understood what libel was. He yeah, yeah, libel was chapter second, yet? yeah, we did libel in uh, in two L year two. Year. Nice. Yeah. yeah, hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that that was hilarious, man. Because I was like, I tried to follow it to its logical conclusion. And I was like, hold on a second. Like, what would he sue for? Like, what what would the case be? It like, was a libel, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, yeah, no, that was that was brilliant. Um, the uh, the what I was gonna uh, say though is that I, for me, anyways, like the reason why. Uh, Eric, because like, okay, yes, Eric Branson has had some seasons where he was really bad. He's had some seasons, most of his seasons where he was more like just regular bad. Um, Daryl Sutter got him to be good. Yeah, and then he had the season with uh, in Calgary where he was good. But the thing with Eric Branson for me was always that he was attached to the fact that they traded Jared McCann for him, and and uh, like. I was wow. mad about that, ago. I think, way before most people were. Like, I, w- I was mad about it on the day it happened. I was still mad about it when he was in the AHL in Florida. And, like, I f- I feel like now, like, or maybe not so much now because the Canucks are good, but, like, a couple years ago, everybody else caught up. Because Jared McCann hit, like, if not his ceiling, like, very close to... um. You know, if if you had told Canucks fans in 2016 that Jared one day Jared McCann was going to be leading an NHL team, an a, a playoff team in goals with like mm-hmm. 40 or something, they would be say, insanely yeah. pissed. Um, but uh, and the draft pick that was uh, not used on Debrinket, but that could have Canucks would have used on on Debrinket. Yes. And you know what else is funny about that draft pick, JD, is that uh Philip Ronick was also on the board when they Oh no shit. That pick. Yeah. So uh <laughs> fancy they, that. Yeah, they uh they <laughs> I mean uh, and we'll we'll talk about uh Lindholm in a minute here, but like uh obviously I am no longer like mad or think that the uh Philip Ronick trade is bad the way that I did uh, at the time that they made it. But when they made it, I was uh basically saying and you could still basically say, like, if the Canucks, <laughs> the Canucks could have just not traded Jared McCann uh, and not traded that pick, and they wouldn't have had to uh, trade a uh, first round pick for both uh, Elias Lindholm and uh, Philip Ronick if they just hadn't made that trade. And I, if I remember uh, correctly, too, you said, like, maybe a year after. Uh, it happened. You were like that kind. That trade can set you back three years. Like making a good Branson for McCann and a pick trade, and everyone was like, "That's stupid. You're dumb. I hate you." Uh, Redacting yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's like uh, that was that trade happened in what 2016, and the Canucks are gonna make the playoffs for in a real season for the first time 
uh, and it's 2024. So yeah. you were you like underestimated it by like I was gonna say I, I think I was charitable. <laughs> like you could sell me on five years, and and that's pretty much how long has it's been. And the the Canucks are just getting back to the playoffs, and hey, and even with the Rona so... trade too. Like one yeah. thing I wanted to say before, sorry, sure. Dios, I didn't mean to cut you yeah. off, but like <laughs> I I don't think we have to do revisionism about the way this team operated last uh, season and at the deadline, like. Sure. That still was an ill-advised trade. And and in the same way that a lot of the time you'll do good process and get bad results. Yeah. You can do bad process and get good results. Good results. You know, it's yeah. it's a really random sport. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, like I think in some senses that Ronick trade still might hurt this team. I could see you know, yeah. just the way they've used mm-hmm. him. He's he's in line for seven, eight million. You know, and yeah. can this team sustain that, especially when he hasn't shown that he can drive his own pair? Well, I, I have my my skepticism, right? So, sure. yeah, you know, well, I don't and, think you have to be too hard on yourself about that one. Oh, and, and I'm and I'm not. And I, I think it's, it's one of those things, though, that's funny. Like, it's a bad it's a very uh, like I think it's a, a mistake to um, just. Because it's because it's so similar to the mistake that people made for eight years or whatever, when Jim Benning was the general manager, uh, like you, I don't think you get very far by just comparing the Canucks against themselves because it's like, Oh, well, if the goal is just to be better than they've, they were, you know, over most of my adult lifetime, then the goal would be, don't be basically the worst team in the NHL for eight years. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that is not a good enough goal as a, as a, a sports franchise. Uh, but there is saying that a huge difference between uh, your all in move to depro- to uh, improve your defense being to trade one single first round pick for Philip Ronick versus making the OEL trade. And I also think that there's a pretty significant difference between trading a pick that you basically know exactly where it's going to be. Um, you know, uh, uh, like right at the trade deadline mm. when things are a lot more fixed versus making a trade in the off season as a terrible team that where you have mm. a first round pick uh, and your team is terrible again for the next five years. And if it weren't for a once in a century global pandemic, you probably would have given up a lottery pick, but any uh, trades uh, specifically? Uh, no, just I'm just saying <laughs> hypothetically. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> relitigating uh, like uh, five year old takes at this point. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, remembering uh, some takes. <laughs> remembering some takes. Yeah, that's. By the, the way, I was the the where I was about to interrupt earlier was just to bring up how Benning said. I think around the same time. Uh, Oh no! It was like two years ago. Sure, that yeah. the Canucks would be good in three years. That's uh, pretty funny. So yeah, pretty another, sage uh, of him. Yeah, pretty sage I, of him. That would be. I would. Uh, uh, I mean, first of all, hilarious thing to say at that point when you're like a week away from getting fired or whatever. But uh, <laughs> it, it it it's the funniest thing about that is that like, I would say, well, he said that he, he said that three years ago or like. You know, he said that three years ago and then he said that three years before that. But the reality is, like, for the first, like, five years he was here, he was like, he's we're going to be good right away. Yeah, we'll be good next year. We're going to turn this around quickly. So funny. Um, From 10 years ago. 
yeah. Uh, we will, we're a cool we will, team. We will do some some <laughs> uh, some more uh, like uh, gazing into the past as we uh, discuss this team's future in a moment. But um, I mean, obviously, uh, obviously, we're we're all here. I mean, we're JD's here for two reasons. Uh, one, the Canucks made a gigantic trade and uh, it involved prospects. And also, we've just wanted to have him on the show for a long time. Uh, and then two, uh, so that in a moment here, uh, once all the important stuff is done, Vias has someone else he can ask uh, questions to, and I can play <laughs> video games. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I'm not even playing video games. I'm watching the Bluger Joshua Garland uh, line highlights right now. Nice. That's that's cool. That's that's Still a shell consciousness. That's I appreciate it. This is going on. Uh, but you know, we've, we've, uh, I mean, we, we've talked for, for a moment here for sure off the hop, but we've kind of made a, a point this season to, uh, get the, the scandal corner, um, segment out of the way or uh, out of the way at the beginning of the episode. Um, so that we don't have to end on a bummer note all the time as this show that is like not serious, uh, 98% of the time. Um, but, uh, so I do, I do just want to note, uh, that obviously, uh, as most people know by now, um, five, uh, players were finally, finally, uh, charged in, uh, connection to, uh, the story that's been out for quite a long time. Uh, the content warning, uh, everyone, uh, the sexual assault that, uh, the 28 team, or a 2018 uh, Canadian World Junior Team was involved in. Uh, I believe the players are Alex Formanton, uh, Carter Hart, Mike McLeod, Dylan Dubé, and Cal Foot. If uh, you're looking for a Canucks connection, obviously, uh, son of Canucks uh, assistant coach Adam Foot. Um, there is nothing to say about it that hasn't really already been said. Uh, but I obviously do just want to note that obviously we are aware of it and it's terrible and, uh, we will stay updated as like actual news and information comes out. Um, but the question that I wanted to ask you, JD, as somebody who has made a living off of, um, prospects uh you know scouting uh researching prospects and also comparing prospects of different leagues i something that i would be interesting to get your take on is that obviously there is sydney crosby was uh, just asked about it today uh like there's always a hockey culture angle on this that seems to usually be the first thing that comes up and obviously that is a perfectly reasonable angle to look at things through because we know that uh, hockey, the sport at large, has a problem with uh, misogyny, has a has a woman problem, uh, has a toxic masculinity problem, whatever you know term you want to use. But sometimes I think, uh, at least from my observations, there is that that uh, talking point when when it comes up it can sometimes obfuscate the fact that it is really specifically like over and over again the worst stories 
tend to come out of the CHL. And I don't think it is a coincidence that the same week that this drops, we get more information about the CHL class action lawsuit that is happening, alleging, um, you know, numerous awful uh, hazing uh, incidents. And obviously, you know, that history goes way back. And we know there's a lot of stuff we or a lot of stories anyways that we've heard for a long time. And so um, I guess my very long winded uh, question that I'm getting at here is like, as someone who looks at, you know, knows a lot about prospects, obviously makes a living off of it and has to know a lot about prospects from every possible feeder league into the NHL. Um, do you, do you agree that like, it's basically, it seems to be uniquely bad coming from the CHL and is there any reason you can think of why that might be the case? Well, I, I wouldn't say that it's isolated to the CHL. I Certainly mean, we not, had, no. we had yeah. Bowling Green had a hazing sure. uh, incident that uh, Austin Swankler, who actually played in the OHL and was an exception to playing college, um, that he, I believe, was the whistleblower on that, that whole right. incident. And he was granted... Uh, the ability to transfer in season to North Michigan. Wow. So that one is still pending. The details are still unknown, but there is a hazing case with that school. Right. Um, in terms of the CHL, I mean, you also have the QMJHL incident. I believe that started at the beginning of this season, maybe mm -hmm. September. And, and I think it's prevalent because, I mean, like, I think the youth plays into it. Sure. So yeah. you have this cycle of, of violence and reciprocity and sexual violence and uh, entitlement. And, and, you know, as it's visited upon you, you try to normalize it by visiting it uh, upon others. And it creates this really brutal cycle that we see uh, materialize in events like the alleged uh, incident that took place with the 2018 team. You know, I mean, to your point, curiously, the NCAA players weren't at that event. You know, if you wanted to use that to kind of build uh, the case that it is uniquely bad in the CHL. But I think, you know, some of it is is sewered incentives. I mean, this sure. this is a league across the board that is behind on. And I don't want to tie this to hockey issues like that's not what I'm trying to do at all for posterity. Sure. Yeah. But like they are behind in every respect. Yeah. So this is a part of a broader picture of ineptitude, of of arcane thinking, uh, you know, of, of, of just being behind. And so, you know, I, I think we should be careful with the idea that this is exclusively a CHL problem. And I sure. don't think yes. that's what you suggested, no, yeah. um, but it is uniquely bad in the CHL. And I don't think it's a stretch to suggest that at all. And 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 to that point, like with the NHL, Gary Bettman was at the the podium at the the all-star game and he said you know we don't have a problem yada 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 yeah. which i mean you know far be it from him to lead on any subject that isn't keeping uh, the coyotes weekend at bernie's <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, up in up in the desert but like you know I, I think the argument that a lot of hockey people fall back on is well you know hockey is like any other part of, of society and and like I suppose that could be technically true, but that's not aspirational. Yeah. And, and, sure. and, you know, like a level of acceptance and, and, you know, it's almost flippant in its own way. Um, you know, it's like until it becomes a problem 
at a surplus level with us, we don't have to address it. We don't have to take a, accountability. We don't have to be leading on the subject. And so I think, you know, we, we talk about the CHL, we talk about how it relates to, to other leagues. I think the NHL's lack of leadership on this issue is also a pervasive element within this conversation. And, you know, if that's the attitude at the very height of the sport, how can we expect people within the CHL who typically don't have, you know, <laughs> Uh, better than a high school education. They've come up in the environment that has produced the NHL. You know, without that, am I making sense? Like if they don't have the leadership from the highest echelon of the sport, how can they find it within themselves when they don't have that capacity? Mm. And when they have come up in this environment that has, if not been a culture of silence, has altogether encouraged it. Yeah. And so you need someone, it could be Gary Bettman, it could be Marty Walsh, it could be the CHL, uh, commission himself to to lead the way and i think that absence of leadership is really at the heart of this issue i mean like you know absence of checks and balances has been a problem in the past and i think when you try to draw comparisons between the chl and europe well a european junior team has to operate within the capacity of a uh, SHL team or Absolutely. a Liga team yeah. or a khl team yes uh if you go to college you have exactly executive boards you have you know like northeastern hockey doesn't operate independently it operates within a board uh they are answerable to people who have not been a part of this culture who have not yeah. grown up in this culture who have Absolutely. not been subjected to this culture so i think the isolation of the chl the recept the reciprocity of this cycle within the chl and the absence of someone who is removed from this process to kind of take a step back and be like, holy crap, is this how we're doing things? Mm -hmm. um, it all contributes to this. And it's it's really grotesque. And, you know, it's it's I, I've been saying this for a while now, like heaven forbid. But if I had children, I would have them going the college route. Absolutely. Genuinely, because like for one, like on the on the hockey level, which is immaterial to this discussion, the CHL is miles behind. Mm -hmm. But not only do I have to, to reconcile that, I have to reconcile the possibility that in this hypothetical, my son could be subjected to this stuff because hazing isn't in the past for the CHL. Uh, you know, the, the, these events like in 2018 are, are not that far in the past. And so I, I don't know, maybe I'm getting rambly right now because I hate <laughs> the subject matter. Yeah, sure. Um, and I have so many thoughts and I don't know how to cohere them into one it's very uh, difficult. Stage. I'm so happy you're on the show, JD. To, that yeah, was, I am. That too. was an awesome breakdown. <laughs> no, that was, you're, that was you're really, absolutely really right. And and I I agree with you that, that it's it's one of those things where you it it's difficult to um it, it's difficult to talk about to place it within hockey sometimes because it's obviously a, an issue that's larger than hockey. But there there is a sense of like if you're stupid about one thing or you're evil about one thing, you, it stands to reason that that's going to uh, be, that's going to, uh, you know, poison the well. outwards. It's going to poison the well. Yeah, exactly. And so one of the, you know, you mentioned um, the, the thing about, uh, you know, Euro leagues, how uh, those, those teams have to operate within the framework of a actual like professional, uh, you know, it like, obviously the NHL is the, is the cream of the crop, but like, in Sweden, they care about the SHL, you know, like they care about the NHL, too. But it's it's a huge deal. You you can't like 
Well, the the you know you mentioned the isolation, like the the CHL kind of gets the the worst of both worlds in that these players are, especially at the high level, like they're famous, they're 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 entitled, but they also get the benefit of like no one's really paying that close attention. Um, mm. But I was I was having a discussion with a a very uh, hockey savvy friend of mine the other day who was asking about what I thought about basically the um, the NCAA uh, like draft loophole, right? Uh, the the mm-hmm. fourth year where uh, the the Jimmy VC clause basically, right? I don't mean um, to be annoying, but I love that it's a loophole when a player wants to determine where they play <laughs> and this and, is my, yes, 20 yeah. years old or like yeah. 22, I suppose, because you'd have yes. to get to your final season of college. But like, I, I would love it if anytime a team decided not to sign a prospect to an ELC, it was called like, Oh, they loophole them. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and you're right. And that was kind of, you know, he was saying like, Oh, it's, it, it's like fucked up that, and, and I, I don't want to like put the guy on, on blast because it's not like he was like, he wasn't being an asshole. He was just talking about within the competitive frame of the NHL. He was like, man, it, it sucks that like there's just this one league where where players and it wasn't like he was saying necessarily that like it it sucks because like it's wrong for players to decide what they play. He was basically just saying like it's an advantage that exists for some players, but not others. And that's, but that's like, not even necessarily true. I mean, uh, Tim Erickson was a first round pick by, I think, Calgary. Right. Um, it all comes back to Calgary. Um, for this episode, <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of Calgary today. Yeah, be, and yeah, a lot. Yeah, and and he refused to sign, and so he was traded to New York, I believe. And and I think why the college route kind of uh, facilitates this is because if you go to college, you can play four seasons of competitive hockey. Yeah, you know what right. I mean. Like your development won't be stunted. In fact, it might be improved because you have off ice conditioning time that you don't yeah. have in say the CHL when it's all about games. It's all about systems. Yeah. It's not about skills development. Well, if you're Tim Erickson and you don't want to sign with your team, you might be kind of screwed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, yeah. Because like, what are you going to do? Play in the CHL until you're 23? You can't do that. Exactly. You run out of options. You run out of room. You run out of time. And so that's why you see it most often with college. Just, you know, figured that might be. No, that's a, that's a absolutely germane. That's absolutely true. And and the, the the what I basically ended up saying to him is I was like, okay, well, if you look at it just purely from like the draft is supposed to sort of distribute talent in this specific way, and then there but there's one particular league where if players go there, they can kinda find their they can finagle a way where they don't have to do the thing that everyone else kinda has to do. And the 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 point that I but the point that I made is that from the player's perspective, like Unless you're um, Austin Matthews and you can go and play, go and sign and play professional hockey and get paid in Switzerland, mm-hmm. which is like so extremely rare for a North American, and hasn't um, has barely been repeated either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. The really like cool as hell can, too. Yeah, if you can afford to wait, uh, and uh, you know wait to make NHL money for a you know an extra year or two the college route is so obviously the best way to go because you get an education, you play a better and higher level of hockey anyway. And then at the end of it, you can actually call your shot. You can actually decide, Hey, this is where I would like to play. And you don't end up in these situations where like, um, 
I always use Josh Hosang as the example. Um, Poor dude. Well, yeah, right. Because (laughs) it's like I I don't. um, I'm not gonna sit here and say Josh Hosang 100% should have been an NHL player or like should have been a star or you know if he had landed anywhere else or if he had even landed somewhere else that he would be an NHL player. The only point that I would make is he landed in the worst possible spot for him and his career. And it would be what, you know, it's an illustration of how your career can go when you land in an organization that does not give a shit about your development or you as a person, or really have any interest in developing you or in you having a career that basically just treats you as like a pain in the ass problem that they have and that's how he was treated his whole career too i mean i I would try to get people to substantiate you know why josh was saying was always the butt end of these discussions as it related to you know his character and and this and that and it was pretty obvious what the reason was i mean to to varying degrees and and you still see this in hockey circles right like you know, people when Quentin Byfield wasn't hitting his ceiling would say, well, what about his hockey sense, which was just sure. preposterous, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, and, and you look at Josh Hosang and it's almost identical to, to Nigel Dawes. You know uh, what I mean? Yeah, like, sure. yeah. Uh, oh, coincidentally, he just happens to have attitude problems. And as soon as you try to substantiate it, you can't and they can't be mm-hmm. reconciled. And oh, we just don't have room for you. You got to go. And yeah. and it was especially odious with the Islanders because like when he would play in that lineup, he would play well. You know, that was what was so frustrating. Like he added a dimension to that team that they didn't have, especially in transition. He was about half a point a game. And I mean, this is a tangent and a half, but absolutely. But it's, it's <laughs> I have long been point. frustrated yeah. by the Hosang thing because I feel like a talented and you know, I don't want to say altogether like good kid because I don't I, I haven't met who him. knows. Yeah. But like the reasons I've been given that he was a bad kid are not sufficient. Just as, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like, as baseless. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, you know, to, to he, your he's point, not in a holding cell right now, right? Like, no. And and if he's <laughs> gone the the college route, you know, perhaps that additional time, perhaps that development, I don't know. Perhaps he's perceived differently, but we just don't know because the sports. Uh, it's, it can be behind on some of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so Remind the, me again, guys, who was in leadership at that point? Was that a Lou Lamorello decision? Yeah. I think he showed up toward the end of his time. Yes, uh, yeah. He toured up to... Uh, sorry. He yes. showed up. Uh, so Hosang was drafted by the last regime. Yeah. And, and you can tell because he had 66. That was his number for his first, I think, oh, two gosh. seasons with the team. Not going to fly there. Yeah, no. And Lou Lamorello was like, that ain't happening. And that was how they met. And it was downhill from, from that moment. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and it's this is all of this is just like the only point that I'm basically trying to make here is is that like essentially what you, what you said, like how far the CHL just is behind on everything. Like they're not just the like it. It maybe th- what I'm trying to say here is it stands to reason, I guess, that the league that basically treats its players uh the most poorly that that would have like knock on effects. Like, well, maybe if you treat, don't treat your players well and you don't, you know, uh, until very recently, like pay them anything at all, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like if you treat them poorly as an institution, it stands to reason that they would then 
treat each other poorly and then potentially treat people who are not involved in hockey or just random, you know, like women basically also poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you have to justify how it happened to you. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's more than enough time on that. But the, the, the one other thing that does need to be, uh, like (laughs) that I do think we, we should just comment on because it's, it's so glaring is obviously the flames and it was just the flames. I mistake, I did mistakenly, uh, for a second, think that the flyers did this as well, but it was just Calgary, uh, basically running interference for Dylan Dubé. Um, by saying that he was going on mental health leave, which is a hell of a way to spin. I have to surrender myself to the police for crimes I am alleged to have committed. That um, one, this is this is really Jesus this is really Christ. small, but it's like there's so many different announcements that a team does in the social media, and there's a very small portion of that that a team will put a graphic out for. Um, you know, because they want to be a bit more flashy with it. It's it's more important and it's really big and. They could have just announced that as like a small press release, but to do it in that huge red box, you know, uh, with uh, with like the flames going on in the background, as if it's uh, I don't I don't know. There's something as if he rolled you, his ankle. You, yeah, there's <laughs> something know? even more insulting. Like there's so many layers of insult to that insult to injury just, on somebody else. I was that just is, about to uh, say remarkable. that. It's yeah, very sorry. similar to how like when players sometimes when players are injured, uh teams or or even just like uh uh fucking like hockey buzz or whatever the fuck, like just like you know, these these like low effort uh content mills or whatever. But even the teams themselves sometimes will put out a graphic about a player being injured and it looks like when you play like GTA four and you get shot in the head wasted. By a cop and it's wasted. Like, wasted. <laughs> like injured and it's like and and you know with with uh um with this like dylan dubay thing it's like very it's like very similar it's like you know you're you're the the cadence of it that's not quite the right word but it's like you're using yeah the no same, i think it's right yeah you're it, using it the fits. same cadence that you would use to be like uh, this player is out six to eight weeks with a lower body injury. It's like he's out six to eight weeks with may go to jail for crimes. Like, yeah, it's just yeah, like, you know, like, not... you know, like the bleacher report things. Of, like, yeah. This NBA player has been traded. Yeah. Or like, or like Doc Rivers has been hired. It's like, uh, <laughs> your mom and dad are divorced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, like, just imagine if you actually went through a mental health crisis. I, I don't have to imagine. Uh, I would <laughs> no, say, luckily, do I. yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the the two of the most mentally ill men in all of the Smilo sphere. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I own. I own. A, I, I own a huge chunk of that. But like, imagine I went on leave, you know, and and my employer put out a huge graphic. Like I'm going through a mental health crisis. Like this is a low point. Like I'm willing to risk my career, um, public exposure, yada, yada. And this is how it's presented. And then to find out that it has been falsified. I mean, think of how many people have not had access to the resources yeah. mm-hmm. that yeah. would be available to Dubai if it was sincere. And it, it, like like you said, there's just layers to, to why this is so grotesque. And then to find out in the end, the Calgary Flames followed up by saying, we, we didn't know what was going on. And it's like, okay, so there's two ways I can look at this. You are either just dumb as shit because everyone else could put two and two together. Or mm-hmm. 
you ran obstruction and you're lying now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it's just so bad in so many different respects and just, oh, yeah. It's like, I hope what if a flame actually does go on mental health leave all yeah, of and then all you of, bat again? Well, that's the worst part is Oliver Shillington did for yeah. one and a half seasons. Oh, yeah. And he just right. returned to the lineup. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Imagine how right. he feels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really uh, like, it, it's like you said, like, because we don't know exactly how this happened, um, but it's it, whatever was going through their heads when they made this decision, it's nothing good. It, it's either uh, like rank incompetence uh, or just like stupidity or they they were legitimately for some godforsaken reason running interference and thought like this was the way to do it, which is just like, yeah. Well, yeah, that's, the, that's the what I was saying. Think, like, like, yeah, the, the only reasonable, somewhat reasonable asterisk, reasonable explanation is that somebody just told a social media intern just oh, about man. the mental health thing. And they're like, Hey, can you put this out? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I'll make my $4 for the day. Um, oh, man, and yeah. they, and cause you know, they were probably keeping a pretty tight chip about it. They're being all Johnny tight lips about it. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, well, you know what? I, I, I got a segue. I don't want to steal the show. I know sure. this is no, yours, no, please. Steal, do we think, away. do we think that this news expedited the Lindholm trade? A- absolutely. The, yeah. And that's exactly where I was segue. going with it. Yeah. Because, because now Conroy yeah. won't have to answer questions about that at the next press conference. Yeah. Still yeah. got it. No, you're right. <laughs> because, it. and uh, the, I especially like we've returned to this theme over and over again about, you know, kind of comparing like because obviously we made a habit of comparing everyone to Mike Gillis uh, because, you know, like we will never forget 2011. We will never forget uh, Mike Gillis and and we will never be over it. Uh, And obviously also we've made a habit of uh, like comparing the current regime to uh, to to Jim Benning, because how could you not? Um, But one of the things that we've kind of returned to over and over again is like, you know, (laughs) Mike Gillis was not in the Stonecutters. Jim Benning may have been in the Stonecutters, but it's (laughs) totally... Yeah, as as the fucking custodian. Because, yeah, he was was getting them coffee. He's in a water boy, but yeah, that's better. It doesn't really matter. Like, and, and... But... It's very clear that, you know, Jim, uh, Jim and well, pa- it doesn't Patrick, who cares? Like, but Jim is is he may, he may very well be the president of the Stonecutters, just the Rutherford. way that. Yeah. He, yeah. He always seems to like it's it's that that thing of like those thing, those elements that uh, like you, you always ask, you always wonder where you know, like a trade comes out or whatever, and you go, how the fuck did they manage that? Or like, why why was this team able to do that and this other team wasn't able and to do that? And not another team. And yeah. it always just seems like the um, the Canucks under Rutherford always seem to come out on that other end where um, it's like setting aside the, the uh, whether the trade itself is good or the asset management is like uh, where it should be or whatever. There's always a, um, they're just there's always this sort of air of like, huh, like you they managed that and somebody else didn't, and obviously the the most 
like the clearest example of that um Beauvillier. is the Beauvillier trade and and that was a very similar circumstances not as bad i would argue like not um fill me uh, in on that again i might be missing something unless it was the cory perry obvious here so cory perry uh got oh, like Beauvillier the, to chicago right. yeah Beauvillier mm-hmm. to chicago because yeah. because cory perry that like the day before the day prior cory perry gets yeah. uh like you know uh fired demoted whatever like his contract's terminated we still don't really know why but we well, do know there is there was one theory that was put forward and then kind of walked back <laughs> yes yeah uh by john scott right which i yes. think of, the less we say about it of know. course yes yeah. well we've 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 i think uh, discussed that, that, that was john point. scott oh my goodness um, yeah, of all people uh yeah pretty funny um, all that goodwill done yeah yeah i mean it, it was uh it was a while ago, honestly, with a couple of other things, but, <laughs> but the, the, you know, he, he, there's a scandal in Chicago, the one team that like really just cannot afford more scandals. um, And, you know, within like 24 hours, I mean, obviously it's not just that there's a scandal. There's also cap implications and everything, but all of a sudden the Vancouver Canucks get off of, what is it? Almost five million dollars? Um, no, it was uh, four point one five. Oh, four point one five. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was like four point. I thought it was. It's Garland that makes four nine. Is that four I'm nine mixed five. Up with Garland? Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, but that's a lot of money, and um, and it's just gone in 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 a, in the blink of an eye with no you know no retention, no real like not a lot of pain. No um, repercussions at all for not factoring in that contract into the the Horvat return. Yeah, absolutely, which and is hilarious, super funny, and and it's uh, it's very much the same thing with this Lindholm trade. Where um, and obviously, you know, JD, I want like your full take on this, but um, maybe a good place to start is uh, with with something that I think has been overlooked a, a fair bit, anyways, at least in terms of like the fan perception, uh, which is that getting Andre Kuzmenko's 5.5 off the books for next year is a huge trade asset, regardless of um, whether or not the organization deserves any credit for it, considering that, you know, they're the ones that signed that deal in the first place. And they could have got a first for him at the last deadline. And it was obvious that his shooting percentage would regress and, Yada 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 yada. Um. So, I, yeah. I guess. Uh, do you care to answer your own question? Do you think that uh, that that Jim took advantage here of a uh, a bad PR situation in um in in Calgary to to get this done? I mean, Conroy will still have to answer for that. I think. You know, I I think it's an interesting theory to to posit. If I do say so myself. Sure. But ultimately, I think that, you know, Calgary doesn't want to retain. They haven't retained salary in a trade in a long time. And in so doing this particular trade, it allowed them to maintain that spot. If they so choose to use it on Tanev, on Hannafin, you only have three. They've kept all of them. Um, and and I also think with Kuzmenko, you know, I was asked on uh, Vancouver Hockey with uh, Andrew Wadden, you know, do you think Kuzmenko will will bounce back? And I, I think he will. I think he would have with with the Canucks, right? Like as as much uh, good luck as he had last season, I think he's had a lot of bad luck this season. I also think that he just doesn't fit with what 
uh, Rick Tockett wants some from someone at the top of his lineup, mm -hmm. you know? So I think, you know, he's bad for the Canucks, but if you're the flames, you can rehabilitate that, that asset without much difficulty. I wouldn't think you'll have, you know, who, who is he going to have to fight for, for offensive reps? You well, yeah. John, and, Jonathan Huberto's uh, corpse. Yeah. Uh, and the, so, the other thing about that too, is that, uh, uh, and this was always something that like we were, uh, pissed off at the old regime for not understanding, which is like a a year of bad money doesn't matter when you're bad. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. when you're not in a competitive window. If you're bad for a year, you just fucking, you know, be bad. You have this bad deal, but then it expires or you can, you know, uh, take the lemons and turn them into lemonade by retaining half. And all of a sudden you're, your uh, overplayed, uh, underperforming winger becomes a reasonably priced reclamation project. Or Which is funny because that's what happened with uh, with Sean Monahan with mm -hmm. Calgary, who mm -hmm. was shipped out with a first so that they could sign Nazem Kadri. That hasn't worked out. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> love Kadri though. <laughs> I do. Um, yeah, that's that's too bad. The only person in the NHL to put out a pro Palestine statement that I know Absolutely. of, that yes. I know of. Oh, so yeah, salute to him for that. Yeah. Um, and then he was uh, dealt by Montreal favorite team uh, <laughs> to Winnipeg for a second first. So, you know, I, yeah. I, I would like to think that Calgary can do something like that with Kuzmenko. So yeah. I think this is one where the timelines just align so perfectly and and if you're the Canucks, like one aspect, I mean, you you brought up the salary uh, next season, and I do think that hasn't been brought up enough. Um, but I also don't think it's been brought up enough that they are competing with the Edmonton Oilers, they are competing with the right. Winnipeg Jets, the the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, this is a contending team now. This is how they have to operate, mm -hmm. and they jumped the market on this premium asset. And you look at the centers. Once you take Lindholm out of that pool, Monaghan goes for a first. I mean, that that ought to tell you all all you need to know about the pool of available talent. Uh, yeah. so, it also, you know. I think, tells you a lot about the price that they about whether or not the price that they paid for Lindholm was reasonable. I which mean, I I think it mostly was. I, I like I've seen some yeah. people suggest that it was like, oh, we got him for nothing and it's like well no not necessarily if, if you want to like use the Bo Horvat trade as an analog it's it's almost identical the returns mm -hmm. I mean Bruce Stevitz is superior to Ratu as an asset the first round pick that Calgary is getting is better than the one the Canucks got you know what I mean like it's it's roughly identical though and it, it fits the same trend as Ryan O'Reilly. Actually, you know what I, would, I mean. Like, I would push back against that, though. I think the Canucks got a better first round pick for Horvat than the one. That yeah, Calgary yeah, that's get. Is that yeah, yeah. I, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I. No, meant. I agree. Yeah, yeah. You're right. So, like, no, the sorry, idea I that understand. they got him for a song like just doesn't pass the smell test for me. Yeah. Um, it's about reasonable for both sides, and and you know, I think the fit between Lindholm and the Canucks is is what makes this a really great addition for this team. I mean, you look at this lineup, if JT isn't going, if Pedersen isn't going, that top six is getting cratered right now at even strength. Mm -hmm. And for all Lindholm's flaws, and I do think he was a distressed asset. I mean, this is someone who was on pace for, I think, like 15 goals on the season yeah. uh, leading up to this trade. And that's just not sufficient for the sort of return that Calgary got in this deal, uh, usually. But his two-way impacts have not declined to the degree that he can't drive play in a matchup role. 
And this gives the Canucks options or optionality, as people love to say now, uh, <laughs> <laughs> materially, fundamentally. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, you can, put him on, you can put him on the first line with Elias Pettersson. You can shift him to the wing. You can put him on the second line. You can move uh, Miller up to the, the first line. Like you have so many different things that you can do with this top six now. And what's really curious for me is going to be like how the Canucks operate with this new look top six. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and further to that point, I mean, a lot of people talk about Rutherford inheriting that team in Carolina uh, in what was it, 2006 when they, they won the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup and he built a second line out of whole cloth. Yeah. Uh, you know, they still have the capacity to do that. And, and with the Lindholm edition, like you have optionality now with the top six, but I still don't think you have a fully fleshed out one. Now, do you have options? Yes, because you have Garland, he's on the third line, you don't want to break that up, but perhaps it stagnates, you can move him into that spot. Uh, Niels Hoaglander, I think that's a top six quality forward who's on the fourth line. Uh, Don't look up a shooting percentage. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like they they have players, they can get creative if they have to. Um, But ultimately, like I think Mikheyev isn't working. Like if if this is an all-in season, Mikheyev might just be the sniff test because to facilitate going all in, you need his salary to be efficient. You need that $5 million to be getting put to good use. And so I'm kind of curious. Like Lindholm, I think the book is kind of out of him. The book is kind of out on him. You know, defensive center can play the wing. Yeah. Uh, can score at about a 30-goal pace if he's not having a down season. Uh, mostly you want him for his two-way play, the penalty kill, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I think his reputation kind of exceeded his quality for at least, I don't know, two seasons when he was second in uh, Selkie. Coincidentally, wow. when he played with uh, Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Uh, wonder what that's about. Um, <laughs> but like for me, what's interesting is what follows. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you have this team and I've seen a lot of talk about like, oh, they're frauds. Like, I can't believe people are still doing this. Yeah, no, uh, kind of kind of telling on themselves almost because like. Yeah, at a certain point, this team was, you know, I would say about a neutral possession team. And those teams don't necessarily go on to win Stanley Cups most often, most often. The last month, they've controlled play at, I think, 58%. Yeah. You know, like you have to update your priors. And, And I don't think people have. And I also don't think like, look, I'm an analytics guy. This is well established. Sure. You can't properly evaluate a team that is leading the league in leading ice time. What a sentence. Yeah, um, like at five on minutes. By 150 minutes. Like there, there's no precedent for that sort of adjustment. We've and I brought think this you, up before. Like it, it's you cannot get a proper sense of what a team's true talent is like with regards to underlying numbers if the score effects are that out of whack, it's impossible. Oh yeah, of course. And, and like, you can get into the reasons why, but I think it's mostly well-established at this point. Um, but like, you know, I, I just, what, what do people want the Canucks to do? You know, this is a team in first place. Uh, that's when you go all in, that's when you do. And so, you know, Lindholm is a great start to that process. I know they want Chris Tanev. Um, they should get him if they can. You know, I saw the Zadarov rumors, and that was interesting to me because if you look at who's easy to move out in terms of salary, like that would be the person. Yeah. And he hasn't played all that well the last month. 
you know, I think it was telling that he got benched against St. Louis. You know, Carson Soucy returns to the lineup and suddenly he's pretty expendable. Uh, <laughs> so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I like this trade. I, I, I like the fit. I like what this signals about the Canucks and, and I'm really curious to see what follows. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different things to, to chew on there. I think um, the, I guess what the, the place I want to start, I think just because it's the sort of thing that interests me the most is I, something just in Vancouver that we, we do not have to do. Um, and I, I cannot stress enough is the thing where uh, because an asset or a player is out the window, it uh, it is now uh, like useless or, uh, you know, not that good to begin with or whatever. So I I, I did want to just take an opportunity here to talk about uh, Hunter Brustevich and just get get your take on the player that the Canucks gave up, because I, I feel like this guy went from. You know, he's having this amazing season and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, like we got another first round pick basically to, mm-hmm. oh, he's not going to be anything. Which I mean, in, in all likelihood, he won't because that's what happens once you get out of the first round and he was taken in the third. Right. So, I mean, I, I think one of the things that came up with Brucevitz in the interview process was that he couldn't pass the, the light bulb test. So the Canucks had some <laughs> concerns about his hockey sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Real concerns about that. But I mean, I, I think like, obviously teams are going to do this. We saw it with, uh, Philadelphia, with Cutter Gauthier, all of a sudden, as soon as he was dealt, it was, oh, he won't play center now. You know what I mean? Like this yeah, happens. Totally. Yeah. So like, if you're a Canucks fan, you don't have to, I mean, you shouldn't do it, but you don't have to apologize because everyone does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. he led the OHL in scoring. Uh, that's really impressive stuff. And you know, I, I think a lot of people will say, yeah, third round picks don't usually work out. And that's why you don't have to hoard them. But they're also dynamic as assets. Yeah. And I think first of it is instructive in that sense. I mean, a third round pick might not have had as much currency in this trade as one that was spent on Hunter Brustovitz. Do you know what I mean? Like he, he, he exceeds the value of a, a traditional third round pick. And, you know, like he's a good prospect. If I was writing up about the the Canucks system, he would be probably third, fourth in that range. Um, But that says a lot more about the Canucks system than it necessarily does his quality as a prospect. Um, You know, he's an offensive defenseman. You can tell that by the point production. He's got 69 and 48 games, which is nice. Uh, Right shot, which you always appreciate, but there are some concerns among the staff at Elite Prospects with the translatability of his profile, uh, both defensively and offensively, like he creates through a lot of junior patterns. Um, You know, he's not the most deceptive. He doesn't have the best feet, Um, you know, and that's not to, to, you know, crap on him on the, the way out, right? Like, that's just the reality. Once you get out of a certain range in the draft, you're only getting players with flaws and yeah for sure and it's like there are plenty of guys who have you know like i i I, you know more than than i do certainly but like if if not sam gerard then certainly like a sam gerard type has been described as having these problems and then gone on to be like a very valuable nhl defenseman for a team for a long time so it's not like i think what you said about the third round pick like how uh, you know Bruce Davich has a 
has more value than a third round pick would. Basically, you know, you said, uh, you know, third round picks, they don't usually pan out. When they do pan out, they have a season that looks like the season Hunter Brustavich has had. You know, Hard to like, beat it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he led the OHL in score. That's really impressive to do. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly <laughs> impressive. And he should have been on the USA World Junior team, right? Like, this Absolutely. is a, a really yeah. impressive prospect. And by all accounts, a really impressive person. Uh, you know, you, you wish him the best. Something that I found kind of funny was when he was dealt to uh, Calgary, uh, Jeff Merrick was doing his radio show and he said, this could be the next app. Or no, he said he's the Adam Fox. Yeah, Yeah, which is so funny because Adam Fox was drafted by Calgary and refused to sign uh, to bring it full circle. He was an NCAA loophole. That's right. Also, also a third rounder. So, um, but no, I mean, like the Canucks prospect pool is is worse off for not having him, but it's not critical. You know what I mean? Like this won't make or break the system. And Volander is having a down season. Uh, you know, his scoring is not up to the level you would expect of a draft plus one. Yeah, we got to talk five. about him a little bit at some point. Too. Oh, geez. Uh, that's not, that's not going to be fun. Um, I just want to say something that comes across silly at first, but like people who have been sort of shitting on the trade or at least talking to me, I think, a little bit too much about the downsides of it, they keep bringing up the other R word rental uh, of uh, Louise Lindholm being a rental and the him first, not the being first R word just to be clear is uh, rebuild, right? Rebuild. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, and, and people have been saying it like a bad word. Yes. Uh, and look, there's a time that you need to, you need to get a rental. Yeah. Sometimes you, you don't have a tuxedo and you have a wedding. You need to wear a tuxedo too. You're only going to have to do this like once, maybe twice in your life where you have to rent one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, and yeah, they're, they cost a lot of money, but you need it. It's, yeah. it's an, it's a necessary piece for what you're trying to do. And maybe this market's not used to getting really good rentals. I mean, look at their, I, I'm thinking of like 2004 and 2011, mm-hmm. the rentals and pieces we got weren't that big i mean i'm looking back to 2004 lapierre what was, Mar- what was yeah lapierre what was marty ruchinski and jeff sanderson gonna do you know like yeah. we've kind of been we've we've had some very underwhelming trade deadlines or just i'm gonna count this as a trade deadline even though it's 30 days away but it's the arms are it's the part of the year when the arms race starts happening and and like this is the greatest rental that we've ever gotten um, and I would say I that is probably true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's no I mean, uh, Sammy Paulson. I'll say that. And, <laughs> and I also think that that's a the bar is low too. It is, yeah. but still. yeah, but it's, it's a feature, not a flaw because Lindholm yeah. was looking at 9 million uh, at the start of the season to re-sign with Calgary. Now, perhaps you shave off a million because Vancouver is nice and I'd want to live in Vancouver, but uh, <laughs> like still the Canucks <laughs> cannot afford him. No, um, even if his demands drop. So it's just a perfect timing. You get a guy who you know you the other team couldn't afford to keep and needs to get rid of him. They they need to get something for him. And we know we probably can't get him, but this is a year we can win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Like, yeah. It it everybody kind of like talks her academically about this, but then you remember what this is all about. You're trying to win your first Stanley Cup in a Canadian city. And 
when you're Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvian, you've only been here for a couple of years and you really, really want to make a splash. And, and like, this is, this is so far beyond what I would have ever expected from a good GM, like for, from a replacement level GM or even better than that. Mm-hmm. Like this is a better trade than Mike Gillis ever made in my opinion, uh, even though there's parts of it that hurt. But like the point of what I'm trying to say, say is like rental is not a bad word. No, it's and, the good R word. And and it's the good R word. Yes, that's right. And the <laughs> uh the the you use the the tuxedo uh metaphor, Vias. And I wanna return to that because um the uh, until I got married, the only tuxedo <laughs> I had ever worn in my life was of the Canadian variety. Um Same. and I mean uh, no marriage, but <laughs> no fair, yeah. And and uh I bought my suit that I got married in. And, uh, you know, like, oh, you had a really good there's reasons why you do it. And it looked mm-hmm. it looked great. And I'm not saying, you know, I wouldn't I would not uh, change. Uh, I would not change a thing. But ultimately, I spent a lot of money as a line cook who wears the same thing every day and never has not had a reason to wear a suit since spent a lot of money on a thing I used once. And there's this weird uh, there's this weird thing that people think when it comes to to trades or or you know rental players or whatever where they think oh you know um uh that's a lot of you know that's a lot of money to to spend on just a rental or whatever and it's like well do you want the do you want the player while he's good or would you rather just or would you ha- <laughs> rather have the player for years and years and years but he sucks like the point yeah. of getting a rental especially in a cap world is that you're getting the player at the height of his value, uh, both mm-hmm. maybe not maybe not like uh, uh, maybe not necessarily from an on ice standpoint, but financially, uh, Elias Lindholm yeah. will never or Elias Lindholm will never uh, be this cheap at, for how good he like he's about to get paid for what he's done, and right now he's getting paid for what he could what people thought he could be however many years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh-huh. um, so yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that it's, uh, mm-hmm. and especially, especially when you add in the Kuzmenko cap hit thing to it as well. Um, they, they didn't just get a better player. They didn't just upgrade. They also gave themselves more flexibility next year. And part of the reason they gave themselves flexibility, part of the reason they were able to give themselves flexibility next year is that, Elias Lindholm is a rental. He is not on a long-term contract. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I think there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of criticism or at least just a lot of like second guessing that, um, that doesn't really line up with reality or doesn't really line up with, um, uh, just, you know, or, it, it, or I guess maybe it just it seems short sighted or or like people aren't really they're yeah. not really considering like the full freight of the uh, um, of the acquisition. Like uh, it's I would I want the Canucks to get the best player. And there are things that you pay for that go beyond just like how good is the player and how long do you have them for? Like part of the um, part of the reason this is a good trade is that you're making one of your direct competitors have to go out and spend a first on Sean oh, Monaghan. Yeah. Which the, yeah. the timing not... of this is incredible. And like, they're getting to be able this to player this when... 
a month out from the deadline too. So it's they yeah. they didn't you know imagine if Edmonton has Lindholm, oh, you know yeah absolutely yeah or Vegas, who who love to make a splash at the deadline. We know this. Uh, it's true. Yeah. So. And I mean the the other thing too is by the way this adds to Jackson's your theory that this is a stone cut that was a stone cutter thing Absolutely. that Rutherford was doing a deal with Conroy to get Conroy off off the hot seat like what incentive is there for Craig Conroy to do this now there's none yeah it, it's true. why that, that's like, the biggest incentive I'm sure I'm like I haven't seen Calgary uh, fans talk about it I think because they're kind of. Uh, convinced that they fleece the Canucks on this, which I don't really know, Very but funny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I am, I, in, in I am, what biased, reality? But, like, <laughs> but like, if, if I, if this is I I don't, I, I can't think of a Calgary bar, but if this is, um, uh, Suncor fever, um, or whatever oil company I'm trying to think of, uh, what's the I'm punk like, one, uh, Jackson, they have, uh, the Polo, which is this, the, uh, Calgary like punk, punk bar. bar. Oh, f- uh, the Palomino. Yeah, Palomino. We, we, we played there twice. Yeah, yeah. Palomino. Yeah, Palomino Fever. Right. Well, yeah, Palomino exactly. Fever. Yeah. Um, Vikram Singh would be, would be <laughs> just so fucking upset that like <laughs> I I would I would be raised. I'd be doing a tantrum right now. I was like, why the fuck couldn't you wait at least even two weeks? Like knowing that Boston, like like knowing this is the arms race like and this is probably yeah. the best forward that was available. okay maybe get okay Gensel and then my sneaker my sleeper pick is Crosby uh <laughs> as a forward that's available for trade yeah um, absolutely but yeah, like that's great why not wait I'm sure there's a good they reason. might have had to retain but, which well, they yeah. just don't want to do and uh, instead okay. they got an asset in Kuzmenko that's that's my thought anyway yeah. uh and okay. there's there uh, there's two things I want to um I, I want to bring up here. There's a bunch of different directions I want to go in, but but I guess the the most pertinent right now uh, with the with the Lindholm trade is like there's also a degree to which like okay, uh, you, Rutherford talked about this in the press conference about how like there's a risk to not going all in as well as there's a risk to doing it right, yeah. and one of the things that um that I think you know people don't think about or they 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 haven't talked about anyways is that like sometimes you know it's it's we, we talk about it being like it's your year or whatever and you never know how things are gonna go like you want the wind at your back obviously and and everything has gone right for the Canucks this year but like sometimes it's your year but things are never gonna be perfect right and, and only one team wins. Only like you one can't team judge wins, yeah. the plan but based on if they get a Stanley Cup. And ultimately, yeah. at the at the end of the day, like, okay, if this is the best chance the Canucks have, this is the best chance the Canucks have. And Elias Lindholm was the right-handed center with a proven track record who was affordable that was on, on the market, right? You don't yep. get to, as much as I would have loved for there to be a universe where the Canucks could have gotten Joel Erickson Eck, like that was not going to happen. Probably. Um, why would Minnesota do that? Why would Minnesota do that? Right. <laughs> and it's just like, like, you don't get to decide which players are on the market. You get to trade for the players that, that are available to you. And Elias Lindholm was like the, he was probably the best fit of any of the players that were on the market um, rental or not. 
Uh, and, you know, I, I think ultimately it just I, I was kind of uh, kicking myself the other day for not saying this on an earlier episode, but it's like what player was going to make more sense for the Canucks than uh, the right-handed center at the cap hit that he's at, Swedish, um, has a connection to Jim Rutherford, uh, is, you know, the his his biggest uh, plus asset is his two-way play on a team that, like, doesn't really have uh have that in in terms of like depth at center like they're not just in the top six not in the top six anyways yeah and and it, it's just like they they did not there was not a better player for them to go out and acquire unless you start looking at things like term uh etc etc as being more important than uh than what should really be important to the Canucks, which is to make hay while the sun shines. And then the other thing that I just mm. wanted to say, mo- mainly because I think it's funny, is, um, and this has nothing to do with anything, uh, but uh, I was laughing uh, about this to myself earlier today. Like, I think part of the reason why the Canucks, uh, or why Canucks fans, sorry, don't like this trade is because uh, when the Canucks, first of all, they never traded their rentals anyways. Um, and like they never, when they had a player who could have been a rental, they never traded him. And when mm-hmm. they, when they did, when they finally did, it was always for like a 23 year old fringe pro instead of like a, an actual, like just literally just a draft pick. Um, and, and also I would add that, that, um, Horvat was dealt right as the market had changed. Yes. Like yeah. Horvat two seasons prior would have netted you like way more than that. I mean, absolutely. look at what JG Pajot fetched. Yeah. Absolutely. Like two firsts, a second, and a third. And it, somehow Horvat got less than that, um, which I think is kind of, you know, that's just market forces. Can't do yeah, anything about that. If, if the, if like in the alternate universe where the Calgary Flames hired Jim Benning instead of Craig Conroy, Jim Benning would have done that trade for Andre Kuzmenko straight up because he would have thought that Andre Kuzmenko was an asset and he would have been like, I don't want a draft pick that's not going to help me for four years. Well, I want the he, guy who's going to help me right now. Already here. Yeah. He would have taken Huberto too. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> let's not give him too much credit. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that basically covers, uh, covers most of the angles there. We've been talking for a long time. Um, I have, I think, uh, a question I want to end on, one I want to go out on. But before I do that, uh, Vyas, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to do like any of the just, you know, all uh, everything you ever wanted to ask about uh, hockey. But uh, oh, I didn't too afraid didn't... of looking stupid or whatever. Like, Ooh. just if there's any question that you would normally interrupt me to ask that you would like to ask a I far think. more knowledgeable and keyed in person um i i i want to give you that so if i I... are on ice shot attempts (laughs) so this includes misses this includes blocks jackson's laughing but i'm taking i'm writing this down for this Uh, fenwick i'm I'm laughing because i've done fenwick hey okay i know i know this one i know this one guys yeah fenwick yeah is where the boston red sox play (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, the Chell dude is with us. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's right, baby. No, Jackson, if I if I had a well, look, we're we're going to we're gonna tie JD up and bring him back to the studio for the yeah, next for the next absolutely. one. I, I don't I don't care what catheters he's he's uh, plugged into, but, uh, <laughs> oh, but that, that that's why. Hey, that's why I got uh, I got my 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 lovely girlfriend to uh, to make you some red sauce. I was gonna say week, it's, it's all in the red sauce. It's all in the red sauce. Um, no, Jackson. If uh, yeah, if I did a little bit more preparation, I would have had a few. But no worries. Uh, no worries. This isn't a question. This isn't a question. More of a comment. But I, I am after after the Lindholm trade came in. And I was trying to figure out, like, hey, where is he going to fit in the lineup? And I'm sure there's some obvious places. And I know Jim Rutherford talked about one place, which is, well, just he would play with Patterson. But looking through the lineup and doing a little bit of franchise mode on on Chell, like, I cannot believe how much flexibility, like, not just that Lindholm brought in, but I forgot how much flexibility in terms of players who can play center and the wing that we already have. Like, mm-hmm. is this the best forward lineup the Canucks have had. I mean, it's, no. it's hard to say. It, it's okay. <laughs> well, it's still 2010, 2011. It's, it's still, still 2010. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. Rafi Torres was a second line player on the third line. I mean, perhaps on the low end. Right. Um, Max Lapierre. I mean, okay, he yeah, was on was the opposite good. end of that spectrum because of Matt. All right, that was a little bit far then. I take it. Yeah. Back. No, uh, I mean, like, it's, it's not that far off. It's not though. that like, far off when you consider or when you like if you don't adjust for like the ways that teams have changed how their lineups are. Right. Like, because I think you could say um, you could say, Oh wow. You know, uh, uh, like uh, Lindholm uh, Miller and Patterson are the three most skilled centers they've ever had um, in their lineup at the same time. And I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, but um, teams didn't really start doing that until like right. fairly recently, and so you know, like well, the Penguins. Um, that would be my one pushback. They well, had yeah, but, Crosby, Malkin, and Stahl. That's true, I suppose. But then but they it, traded it wasn't Stahl, sustainable you know? because you can't have that much tied up in one position. Yeah, you know, there, there are some comparisons to be made. I mean, Miller is like a good analog for Kessler. Um, Pedersen is probably the most singularly talented player. You know the Canucks have ever had, aside from Quinn Hughes. Yeah, aside from perhaps Quinn Hughes. <laughs> uh, Quinn you know Hughes what I mean? Certainly their best, their best defense. Yeah, I guess but the point the, that I was basically the, making is that, like, I could see why someone would would say, "Look at those three centers. Like, that's that's better than Sadian, Kessler, Malhotra." But the thing is, is that like it it went when you consider how teams were built and what the 2010-11 team was trying to achieve mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i don't mean as like a goal i mean like as a game plan um it's it's different because uh they they had a uh they they had a a different thing that they wanted out of their bottom six as most teams did so yeah i do still think it's the 2010 11 team it was a different league back then too yeah it, yeah but it, but i i do understand the point that you're making like this is a team talent wise that ranks with with any uh, right and the thing is, the crazy thing is, is that that was true like last year too. It's just that the piece, none of the pieces fit together, and it's it's very clear that fit is one of the primary things that uh, that this front office cares about. The difference, yeah. about. 
Um, well, just to, to make sure I get it through, yeah. the main point of what I was trying to say there is, uh, like, that was kind of a side point of, like, do of saying, do we have, is this the best forward lineup we've had? But I couldn't, I cannot believe how much flexibility we have in, in the line. Like, I know the Drake, the, the Drake and Joshua line, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that third line, the, the Blue, Blue Garland Joshua line. Like, yeah, obviously right now we don't want to toy with that, but chemistry changes um and uh lines get hot and lines get cold but like i i can't i can't believe how much flexibility rick talkett has to move the players around now like even more so now with lindholm um i mean i, to I your, don't know to I, just, I, I haven't seen that before it's it's really exciting to see that and the fact that we fucking got lindholm it's it's it feels like a miracle in how good he fits with this team Mm-hmm. And to your point about the flexibility, I mean, even the third line, Suter used to be the center for it, and it played just yeah. as well. You know, <laughs> like that's pretty cool. Okay, my yeah. my uh, my just like uh, totally out there prediction um, for you know how like when it, when they acquired JT Miller, it was like oh they're acquiring JT Miller to um, to he's going to be piss you off. Well, yeah, no, specifically that, but, um, to get Jackson on TV. We're yeah. (laughs) Thank you. You You beat me to it. Um, the, uh, they're going to get, uh, JT Miller so he can be Bo Horvat's winger. Right. And then he ends up being Elias Pettersson's winger. (laughs) Uh, and then, uh, ends up being, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, their long-term solution at center instead of, uh, at second line center instead of Bo Horvat or whatever. Um, my, my like off the wall prediction for, what Lindholm ends up being is he ends up being the uh, center on the uh, the what is currently the Bluger uh, line. Yeah, and, uh, plays yeah. with plays with Joshua and Garland and um, uh, unlocks Garland's like what should actually be like genuine top six scoring potential as a uh, as a puck hog who has never really gotten to play with a a non puck hog, like mm. very, very talented center of Lindholm's caliber. That line would have a 75% course. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like actually so, to connect my two points about the flexibility and whether this is a better forward lineup than 2011. Like, yeah, 2011, we had two pairs of twins who were generational talents together. So you couldn't have like, it was a built in lack of flexibility yep. for whoever you were going to pair them with. Cause you had, 66% of that line was already determined. There's only so many things you can do with that. Mm-hmm. But here, like, it's even it's even more flexible. There are so many different arrangements that I could see the top nine be put together, and they would all be amazing. Uh, I was going to go off, go off on a limb and say they'd all also have great courtesy, but I still don't know what that means, so I won't say that. <laughs> but, like, but, but it's... You can have fans. It's like- just so open. It is. I'm, no, more, it, I'm more of a Mariners fan, JD. I won't. Uh, <laughs> I, I won't push back. Uh, I won't push back on that at all because I, I actually do think this is a a un, They have a unique amount of flexibility here for for them and their team history, and it's also just really cool that they went out and got the guy, which is a thing that they just that have not never been able happens. to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they so did the thing. My yeah, my yeah. final question, JD, just as a as like a teaser for the future here. Now that they went out and got what I think was probably, I always said, go out and get a center. That's your biggest, um, uh, that's your biggest need because any center can play wing. Um, any, any yep. center can be the skilled winger you need. If, if, if that's what you end up needing, like it was except for Tage Thompson. 
Yeah, yeah, apparently. Yeah. One exception. Um, you know, you can uh uh like that's why you know, go with center first because of the flexibility, but now that now that they have Lindholm and uh, you know, as you mentioned, there are some intriguing salary shedding options with uh Mikheyev, who I I actually do think would have um at least not negative value. Same with Zadorov if you if you look at the right um if you go to the right team. Uh, and obviously Canucks have not been shy about getting off their mistakes. I love that they're not afraid to look stupid for a second. Um, I, I guess my, my biggest question would be, well, it's a two-part question. One, what's their biggest need now? And two, is there a like player you have in mind that would, that would fit that need? Well, I think the second line is probably the one Achilles heel of this team. You know, that might be overstating it, but it's perhaps like a, a relative weakness to contending teams within the NHL. So, you know, I look at the options and Pavel Buchnevich's name has been out. I mean, PJ has been yeah. trying to drum up that for a while, so I don't want to steal his bit. But, um, you know, I like him. Uh, you know, Adam Henrique was someone that I had time for prior to this trade, but he's also played a lot on the, the wing and anaheim so perhaps you can revisit that i mean frank vetrano also in anaheim mm. and and he's not the splashiest name but look at what happened when uh new york acquired him i think this was two deadlines ago and he was on the second line and he put up a boatload of points and he doesn't get recognition which might keep the price down but in terms of his quality like he he can score I mean, if nothing else he can score doesn't and frank he has vetrano a speed also have that quality to him that's like I can't I cannot find the right name like there's there's a name that I should be comparing him to that's just not sticking in my head right now but like uh Brandon Peary well yeah a little bit but like doesn't he have that that vibe to him of like a guy that people were saying for like a decade had the potential to pop off and then just eventually you know maybe doesn't do it over and over again or doesn't have the uh uh the like doesn't have a marcia so style career but has a marcia so style season where it's like oh yeah that dude just scored 40 goals because it was oh carter verhege yes thank you yeah, yeah 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 and i mean he has 22 and 50 with anaheim right now yeah exactly you know like that's someone that i would look at he's only 3.65 um through yeah. next season so oh, oh i really i'm like you have some control the price yeah. isn't too high. He can play center as well. So, you know, you'd have some optionality. Uh, Guy who doesn't know any of the other teams. Is there Are there two Verhakis in the league? Uh, no, just the one. Who am I thinking of on Florida? Carter well, Verhage. It was Verhage for a while. Oh, I thought you said oh, you said Anaheim, I, I thought. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, Vitrano. Vitrano, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see. I got it. Yeah. I thought I thought you were saying Carter Verhage on Emma, and I'm carry on. Sorry, guys. No, <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. I was I mean, trying to think of the guy that Vetrano reminded me of. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Duclair as well. He has a speed dimension, pending UFA. Um, he can score. <clears throat> My voice is going. Um, I like him a lot. Um, I have a similar question to add in. You know, on the fourth line, this might be a luxury, but uh, Nico Sturm out of San Jose, if you want to replace Oman, um, slight upgrade type deal. Um, Not the most ambitious, but (laughs) not nothing. 
Um, you know, adding a adding a German uh, before the trade deadline, twenty eleven. Yeah. Let's do it again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, also um, Ryan Hartman out of Minnesota. If they don't want to deal uh, Erickson Eck, that's someone who plays a playoff style of hockey. Uh, he can score yeah. goals. He can play any position. Uh, has term as well uh, through his age thirty three season. Uh, so you don't get like the the full on decline. You get some of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Um, oh, my voice is really going. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's I leave it at Hartman, Duclair, Petrano, yeah. um, Sturm on the low end, and I do love Chris Tanev too because like sure. yeah, <laughs> I I do think like the the second pair it is dynamic right now. They're trying to figure that out. They've moved Zadorov down. They've moved Susie into that. Uh, part of the lineup, <laughs> and imagine if you will, a Susie Tanev oh. pair, like that. That would not get scored on at all. Like that could be a shutdown unit. That could be a penalty kill unit. So Tanev know, would do for the defense like a very similar thing that Lindholm does for the forward group. Honestly, oh, um, it would be perfect. Anywhere. It makes anybody yeah. else good. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. One. That, very... that was what my question was going to be. Oh, okay. Is yeah. that when I see when I see when I see the D, I I'm a little get afraid. Excited. Like I think I think I get I got I got a little hot and heavy there, boys. Um, <laughs> I uh, like I think it's because I I don't have a good eye uh, for the kind of defensive game that guys like Susie play. Uh, basically, anybody who's not Myers, Hughes, and Hronik, I I don't know what their comparables are. Like I can't tell if we actually if there's a huge drop off after those players. Like. Uh, I mean, we obviously need more depth, but like, do we do we need to get another top four kind of guy? It like, wouldn't I don't hurt. Know, just, yeah, like the way I would describe the Canucks blue weak. line is that you have a one who is elite, top of his position. You have Ronick, who I would say is about a three on talent. Then you have about three fives. <laughs> sure. So you yeah, have right. Susie, you have uh, Myers, you have Zadorov. They can all move up and down the depth chart, but you know, the value would be about the fifth defenseman on the open market. So, sure. right. Yeah. That's where I'm worried. That's where I'm Yeah. So, so I do think Tanev would add something to this team. Um, and so apparently he could go for a second and a prospect. And if I'm the Canucks, hello, can I oh, interest please. you in a lightly used Atu Ratu? Uh, <laughs> you know, like something like that. Okay. Um, because this is the season to go all in, so let's fucking do That's it. it. We Speaking have to. of top four, I have to finish on this. Uh, yeah, a totally agenda-driven question. Um, is now the time to uh, get off of uh, Tom Willander for something valuable before he turns into Oli Ulevi? I mean, not quite, but okay. his first season in college has been rough. Like his his points per game is trending as like the lowest of any first round pick. Um, in the last five seasons, and he's playing very on a team weird that scores that a, a lot. Yeah, very weird that a guy who didn't score in Swedish junior can't score at a higher level. Very strange. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- the worst part is he's playing on a top pair at BU with the most dynamic offensive defenseman in all of the country. <laughs> yeah. So the, the more context that you add to this, the worse it gets. Yeah, very um, Oli Ulevi playing, uh, getting a half a point per game while stapled to the Kachuk Marner uh Dvorak line and junior vibes. Yeah. Too, but, with yeah. Evan Bouchard. 
And yeah. I mean, like for me, like the the expectation wasn't that he would put up a lot of points, but he also hasn't performed that well in transition. Like his on puck defense has been fine. He can still contain opponents. He can drive them outside. He's physical. He has a good stick. He's he's intelligent. But in transition, it's been so rough. Like the 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 pace of the game has picked up because he's on a, a smaller surface, and he is just not adjusted at all and he has looked like someone who is struggling with that adjustment so mm. you know you can't move off of him at this point because you have so much invested in him and in much the same way that um Bruce Stevitz was a dynamic asset who improved mm. in value uh Villander has declined in value yeah that's fair and so the impetus to move on him at this point is non-existent um you know Lakaramaki you could actually sell me on that I wouldn't advise it because like let's say that this isn't the year that it comes together and this team wins a cup like yeah. the only way they can extend that window is if they have cost-controlled talent who can make a difference and absolutely and that's why is someone who could potentially do that I, I personally think like if they can come out of this trade deadline with a uh, like a Buchnevich type piece like an elite uh, or I mean, elite might be slightly too strong but like a very 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 high end top six forward another top four and another top four defenseman and they the they all they have to give up is you know basically they can do it without giving up uh jonathan lakaramaki but the, having to give up william william nylander or william <laughs> tom <laughs> willander um go get william nylander guys that's what you need to do uh, Hell yeah, Freudian slip. Um, like if they only have to give up Willander to fill to get those two pieces, um, obviously they'd have to give up something else. But they, but just basically the underlying thing is like you know don't have to give up Jonathan Lakaramaki. I say do it. I think he's the only guy that they should be like really, really leery. Like don't sell that piece unless you are getting a player with unless you're getting like Joel Erickson or something like a player with term. Yeah, um, pretty much. I'm really low on Willander. I'm I just, you know, data guy. Like I, I just think, yeah, fucking do it. If, if they took him at like 21 as opposed to 11, it'd be very different. Yeah. 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 It's, it's Vertanen esque. It is. Yeah. Well, ho hopefully not entirely, but sure. Uh, only one respect. But exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it didn't take long for that to, to turn out poorly. And, and Zach Benson has been awesome in Buffalo, as I predicted. And, yeah, that's, yep. that's uh, you could have seen that coming. Nobody. Yeah. Uh, this was awesome. Super like long jam packed one. Uh, this I, I was very fired up. I was very excited to have you on JD. Thanks so much for joining uh, us. Thanks um, so much yeah, for this having is me. a huge treat. Anything to plug before we sign off? Oh, geez, I'm going to die this month uh, and yeah, not fair. even just for health reasons. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I suppose death is a health thing, is it not? Uh, yes. uh, but no, yeah. we have to do our NCAA free agent guide. We have to nice. do a CHL free agent guide. We have to do a European oh. free agent guide all in the span of a month. I only contribute to one of those, but I have to edit all three of them. Uh, That's we just almost out... worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially for the European one. With all love to my European uh, scouts, you know. Yeah, that's I fair. imagine it would be just as bad if, if I was writing Swedish, if not yeah, a thousand fair. times worse. Yeah. Um. So we've got that going on. Keeping uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. That should be at the the end of the month. We just put out a new draft ranking. Uh, top sixty four. We'll have uh, breakdowns of every trade at the deadline. 
uh, will grade all the trades as well. I like. I'm just gonna die. I, okay. I will. I will. <laughs> I be can't dead. wait. Not for you to die. That's just a, a bonus. But uh, for all yeah. the content to come out. <laughs> um, uh, uh, as... I'm glad that finally you know came to the fore. When you're nice to me, it concerns me. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just not used to it. That's that's, that's that, right. that era is over. It is. Yeah. yeah the bit the bit has died. Um, <laughs> now it's David. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, now it's quads. Yeah. Who, um, who by the way, Jackson? I don't know if you he, saw this, but he 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 said the Canucks should go after Lindholm. That was oh, the dream pick. Yeah. No, he was right. Um, the uh, the the one. Clip it, David. Thing, Clip it. As long as uh, <laughs> as well, he's not Lindholm's not a goalie, so it's it's different. You know, like yeah, he, he can actually evaluate. Correct about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Uh, uh, the he one last has a nine oh one right now. By the way. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, one last thing for for us to plug, which is uh, uh, <laughs> David is currently trying to call into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's got some thoughts. Um, got some thoughts. Yeah, the, uh, the the one last thing for us to plug is uh, we did just do an episode up on the Very Patreon nice. about uh, the Pavel Bure trade. Uh, that is um, one of my favorites we've done. Uh, lots of lots of good stuff in there. Talked, of course, about the 2000-2001 uh, Florida Panthers, my favorite team of all time. And uh, as well as uh, uh, Pavel Bure's beef with Matt Taibbi. So if uh, any of that interests you at all. Uh, five bucks a month, patreon.com slash. He's not exaggerating. You get that. You know, yeah, Jackson, it is funny. Yeah. I don't want to do it. It is funny that the point of us doing that episode was to kind of do an analog with Pedersen, but like whether we're going to have to trade him or resign sure. him. But yeah. like after the Lindholm trade opens up a whole new. It does. We're, it's we're in a whole new street now for that, but we'll talk about that next episode. It is absolutely true. I really, the reason I did it is. Because I unearthed uh, one quote having to do with uh, the uh, the Beret Taibi beef that was uh, like just blew my fucking mind that I found it. So five bucks a month, you can find out what the fuck I'm talking about, um, and uh, you get all the other ones too. And there's quite a lot behind the paywall now, and it's some of our best stuff. So um, thanks for listening, everybody. Big thanks to JD for coming. Thank and, you so much, JD. Uh, we'll, we'll see you all next time. We love it.